foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. And so here, David's God saves, David's God hears, and now we see that David's God speaks. David's God speaks. How does God speak? Well, sometimes he speaks through creation. He speaks through creation. You ever see a beautiful sunset that might invoke something, some praise for you? And he says, hey, I just want you to praise me. So look, I'm going to give you this wonderful sunset or sunrise or a landscape that's just amazing. there are many ways in which God can speak to you? In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches that one of the ways God can speak to you is through his creation. God uses nature to speak to you about who he is. God can speak to you through a beautiful sunrise or sunset. God can use any of his creation to get your attention and lead you into praising him. God knows exactly how he made you to be and will speak to you in these specific ways. Take time to think to yourself the ways in which God speaks to you personally. Thank Him for speaking to you and praise Him when you hear Him speak. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 22 for today's edition of Come Alive. Here we go. Chapter 22 of 2 Samuel says, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. This part of 2 Samuel is almost, if you notice, you might think, wow, this is a little familiar. I don't know where I've seen this before. I'll tell you, you've probably seen it in Psalm 18. It's almost identical to Psalm 18. And so here, when we look at this whole psalm, what I want you guys to see kind of as a big picture, as a a big deal, is kind of look at David's outlook. Take a look at his outlook, because his outlook is determined by something that a lot of us need to determine our outlooks by, and that's our uplook, our uplook. So David's outlook is determined by his uplook. David didn't just look inside of himself. That would be a little depressing. And he didn't just look at the circumstances of his life because, well, that would be distressing when you think about how life is all around us and it just kind of wears at you and punches at you. It can make you feel a little stressed out and distressed. So he looked up. Uh, David looked up so that his outlook in life was determined by his uplook toward God. See, God was in the equation, and the reason God's in the equation is because David factored him in. And a lot of times, we don't do that. We don't factor God into the situations of our lives or the circumstances of our lives, and so we run around trying to please ourselves and do the things that, well, as we've talked before, the way our heart feels. And we know that if we do that, that's just, that's not smart, because the Bible tells us that our heart is wicked. We have wicked hearts. And so God was in the equation because David factored him in, and he is always hopeful. When you look at David and you see him in these Psalms, it, some of them start out in, in the Psalms kind of melancholy, kind of like he's bummed out, like he's like, man, David, what's wrong with you? But it always ends in praise, always ends in praise. And so when you look at those Psalms of David, they do start off slow and, and heavy, but they always end in praise because why? He, he always comes to the end realizing that his trust is in God. And so that would be the question I would have for you. Where is your trust today? Is it in people? Is it in things? Is it in something other than God? And so 
basically, David, he pepped himself up. And so there's always hope. I mean, you look at this guy, there's always hope. And he has hope. So what situation are you in today where you don't think there's hope? And the reason a lot of people don't see or find hope or find it hard to see hope is because, well, they're always looking in their heart. They're always looking in their heart or they're looking out there. They're looking towards other people. And sometimes we think, well, you know, this other person can fulfill this need or this other thing like drugs can fulfill this space, this hole or alcohol or shopping or more rest or comfort or popularity or whatever, sports. And so we look to people sometimes and we look to things to cope and deal with this thing called life. So what happens when you look to a person and that person turns on you? You go and you're like letting them know all your problems and they're like, hey man, I got my own problems. Leave me alone. Back off. This is heavy stuff. It's, I, I can't handle my life and your life too. And so what happens then? Or what happens when one beer or one glass of wine begins to be more and more? Or when one pill becomes more and more or one joint is more and more? Well, then you got problems. Uh, those things don't fulfill. They only cause you to crave more. And so soon it doesn't do it for you anymore. So what do we do? Uh, those things, those people, uh, well, they don't have power to deliver. Uh, those things, those people, those whatever it is that you're trying to fill your life with, it, it tends not to deliver or give you strength or even direct you. Now, people, you can say, well, people direct. Well, it's true they do. But which way do they direct you? In the right things or the wrong things? If you have a friend, I would say this, if you have a friend and they're not directing you towards God or towards his word, then they're probably not a really good friend to have. You can have friends, but I wouldn't go to them for advice. Keep that friend and begin to witness to them and let them see a change in your life. But if that person, if that friend can't point you towards God, then there's a problem there. Where is their hope? Where does their hope lie? And see, let your uplook change your outlook. If you and I begin to look up towards God and your friends begin to look up towards God and you need counsel, you need advice, then what happens? Well, uh, they point you to God and so all of a sudden your outlook and your uplook become the same deal. They kind of meet in one place and they start to look up towards God and then God can instruct and and talk to you through his word. So David sees God as as a game changer. Your life will begin to change. Your problems will begin to take on a whole different light. Yeah, there's still going to be problems, uh, but they'll be a little different in the way you handle them and the way you deal with them. And so David sees God as the game changer because David thought certain things could seemingly satisfy. We saw those in the last few chapters. Bathsheba, he thought, hey, that would be a satisfaction. Here's this woman taking a bath on her roof, and man, I really want her. And then he commits murder. And, And we've seen the mess that... All the things that David thought could give him satisfaction and satisfy him got him into. He got into a lot of problems. But when he turned to God and God became his champion and his companion, and God may even have orchestrated some of the circumstances in his life. Maybe he's even orchestrating some of the circumstances in your life, some of those hard places where you're at, just to get your attention. He's probably up there going, hey, here I am. I'm right here. And we tend to just drive by and miss it. Let's look at verse 2. It says, And he said, David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, 
so shall I be saved from my enemies. Let's stop there. David addresses God as, number one, his rock, if you're taking note. Number one, he addresses God as his rock. The word for rock, well, here it symbolizes a security and a defense, a a steep, inaccessible refuge. And this would be David's foundation, something that no enemies could climb up. It'd be so steep and so tall that the enemy would just walk up to it and go, there's no way. It's not even worth trying. And then knowing this, David had nothing to fear because he could sleep at night knowing that no one could get to him. And so is that who God is for us? Is that who Jesus is for us? Is that you see him as that rock, that type of rock? And then you see the word, my fortress, my fortress, Uh, not susceptible to outside influence is what a fortress does. It's there to protect you. It's there to protect you. So here we can get that God is an impenetrable foundation and a fortress that cannot be overtaken by outside influences. And David continues to call him a deliverer, someone who can bring him out of a circumstance or a bad situation. He's a deliverer. Anybody ever had anything delivered? It goes from one hand to another hand. It can go from bad to good. And so he's calling God his deliverer. When you think about who God delivered David from, he delivered David from Goliath, a young boy fighting a giant. And God delivered David from Saul. David was delivered from backsliding. God delivered David from Israel's enemies and from his own son, Absalom, and from Goliath's sons. Four more giants, as we learned about last week. Four more giants David was delivered from because of a friend. And then God delivered David from David's own sinful passions. Sinful passions, those things that get us into trouble. So what's the difference between you and David? Well, other than the time that you live in, nothing. Why can't God do this for you? And I would submit to you that sometimes the reason God can't do this is because we don't want God to do it. We, we think it's more fun doing this, whatever it is. So why can't you have these same nine declarations of who God is here as we look through the, these verses? There's nine of them here, but you can. So if you're taking note, you can write down, David's God saves. David's God saves. There's nine declarations we're going to look at. David's God saves. People or things or religion don't save, but God saves. God saves. Now, saves means to preserve, to preserve. Now, think about it this way. If you went to a restaurant and you didn't finish your meal and the waitress says, would you like me to bring a box for that? Would you like to save that? And now you can save it from the garbage and that would be a horrible death for that hamburger or that chicken salad to be put to death in the trash can. But you're preserving it. You're going to pick it up. You're going to take it with you and it goes with you. You're preserving it from something. And you might say, well, I don't get it. So here's what I'm turn to John 3 if you want to. If you're taking notes, you can write it down. John 3 Verse 1 is where we're going to look. John 3, 1. And it says, There was a man named Nicodemus who was a Pharisee and a Jewish leader. One night he went to Jesus and he said, Sir, we know that God has sent you to teach us. You could not work these miracles unless God were with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you for certain that you must be born from above before you can see God's kingdom. And Nicodemus asked, How can a grown man ever be born a second time? Jesus answered, I'll tell you for certain that before you can get into God's kingdom, you must be born not only by water, but by the Spirit. Humans give life to their children, yet only God's Spirit can change you into a child of God. So you can be preserved. By being a child of God, you'll be preserved. Instead of spending eternity in hell, you can have eternity in heaven. Look at verse 5 in 2 Samuel. Go back with me. 
Turn back to verse 5, and then we're going to turn to another book. We're going to have a little Bible bus trip this morning. Verse 5 of 2 Samuel 22 says, And when the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. So before we go any further, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John 5, and we'll pick up in verse 14. 1 John 5, verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, the emphasis here is on God's will, not our will. And so when we communicate with God, uh, we don't demand what we want. Hopefully we don't do that. We're not jumping around and asking what we want. Rather, we discuss what he wants for us, what he wants for us. Uh, We can align our prayers to his will and he will listen. And so the word confidence means we can be sure that he will give us a definite answer. We, we can be sure of it. Now, you might be like saying, oh, well, I've been praying for this one person to come to the Lord. That, wouldn't that be his will? Sure, it would be. And I've been praying for 10, 15 years, and I haven't gotten an answer yet. Well, maybe your answer is wait. Maybe your answer is wait. That's an answer. Wait is an answer. My son always says, Dad, can I play on your phone? And I'm like, wait. That's an answer. What's not an answer is when he's like, Dad, can I play on your phone? And I'm like, there's no answer there. No is a very good answer as well. We don't like it. And so oftentimes I hear people say, well, God's not answering my prayers. Well, what do you mean? Well, I've been praying for this thing, and it just seems like he's saying no. Well, no's an answer. Uh, No, it's a perfectly good answer. Maybe he doesn't want you to have this thing. Maybe it really isn't his will that you're asking for this thing. And so we do see that God answers. And and so the second point here, if God saves, number one, and number two, then what? God hears. God hears. Uh, That's what God does. He hears. He hears you. I don't know if you get this, but we have God as our audience. And when we pray, I mean, think about the most powerful being anywhere. God hears you. You know, it's one of those things where I have to ask myself sometimes, do I really get that? Do I really get that? catch that and understand that God can hear me. And I don't know if you get this, but again, it's an audience of one. Uh, When we sing and we worship, it's not, we're not singing to Eric and Dave and and Sean. We're we're singing to the Lord, an audience of one. And and they're not singing to us. They're just leading us in worship. And they should be singing to that audience of one as well. And he just doesn't leave us alone. If you've been crying out to God in the form of his will, he will hear you. So God who tells the waves what to do and which way the wind to blow and where the rain will fall or not fall, he wants to just hear from you. So just talk to him. And you know, it's real simple. Sometimes I'm like, hey God, it's, it's a pretty good day so far. And I, I, I've been here at work or I've been up here at the church and well, you know, so far so good. AC and Elliot had a friend over, they trashed the slip and slide. Jesse's back hurts a little bit. And, and hey, by the way, can you give her some relief in that? Help her out? And, and Lord, later on, we, we want to do this. If, if that's your will, can we, can we get there? And, and maybe, Lord, if there's someone you want us to minister to at that place, just show us, Lord. We really want to be sensitive to that and sensitive to what you want. So if you don't want us to go, prevent us from going because, man, sometimes I just kind of do things on my own. But, Lord, I really want to do what you want to do. And so, Lord, will you, will you allow? Will you give? Will you 
And you can just have a conversation with. That's all prayer is. It doesn't have to be in King James English. It doesn't make him hear it anymore. I think if it was going to be anything where he'd understand it, it'd be Hebrew. But I don't even think he's Hebrew. He just chose some guy named Abraham. And a lot of people are always like, well, isn't Abraham Jewish? No, Abraham wasn't Jewish. If anything, he was Iranian. And so that's where he came from, or the Chaldees. So all we have to do is just really talk to God. We don't need a special language or anything. Now, if you pray in tongues and it's on your own, that's a different thing. Come Wednesday and we'll finish talking about that. But there is that prayer language where it's just between you and God. But I don't have that. And so I just talk in normal everyday English, Texan. It's like sometimes I say, hey, y'all, talking to the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God. You know, just kind of lump them all into one big group. So if you want some really cool homework, I'll tell you this, get a concordance out. Check out what happens every time God's people cry out to God. Just go home, get a concordance, get your Bible, sit down, and just look out, cry out to God. Look it up. You can go to Blue Letter Bible and write, cry out to God, and you'll be amazed at what you'll see there. Uh, Look what happens. God answers. God hears. And maybe you've been crying out to him, praying, and if it's according to his will, you will see him fulfill. Uh, That's the way it works. Because God works by faith, he chooses to use prayer as the process for the request and the answer sometimes. And now you got to also think about it. Many times we don't have because we don't act by faith. or We don't act in the action of prayer. We just think, well, God knows my situation. He'll provide. But you know what? Think about you who are parents. Isn't there nothing better than hearing from your children sometimes? I mean, there are those times where you're just like, shh, quiet. But if you're away on a road trip or something, it's like there's nothing greater for me than to pick up the phone and call my home and hear my daughter speak to me and my son talk to me and my wife talk to me. And and I love to hear from them. Sometimes I'll sit in my office, even at the house, and I'll just hear them talking and playing and just having a good time. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I know what they're doing. And, and I hear them conniving and getting ready to do some stuff. And so sometimes I'm just like, you know, it's okay if they want to go get an ice cream, but it'd be better if they just asked because that's what we ask them to do. And I want to hear them ask. I want them to come in there. Not that it's wrong to have the ice cream, but we try to teach them. If you just ask, instead of picking up my iPhone and disappearing with it, if you just ask, I'd probably say yes. But now that you just assume, so I love to hear from my kids when they ask. I give them permission. That way, if anything goes wrong, it falls back on me, not on them. And so God says, hey, you know, I just want to hear from you. Because God works by faith, he chooses to use prayer as a process for the answers. Many times we don't have because we don't act by faith and and through that action of prayer. So my God saves, number one. Uh, Number two, my God hears. Well, what else does he do? Well, let's look at verse eight. Verse eight says, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and he came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub, a cherub is just a mighty angel, and flew. And he was seen upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness, canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. And from the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. And then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. And so here, David's God saves, David's God hears, and now we see that David's God speaks. David's God speaks. How does God speak? Well, sometimes he speaks through creation. 
He speaks through creation. You ever see a beautiful sunset that might invoke something, some praise for you? And he says, hey, I just want you to praise me. So look, I'm going to give you this wonderful sunset or sunrise or a landscape that's just amazing. And sometimes he speaks through that creation. And we talked earlier about like how an evolutionist, you know, it just doesn't seem to work because how he speaks through his creation. When you look at that, I mean, you have to think, why do we have taste buds? I mean, if it's just evolution says it's just for survival. Okay, if it's just for survival, why do we need to taste what we're eating? It just needs to get into our stomach. Uh, they do that with patients in the hospital that just need to survive. They throw a, a tube into their stomach and they feed them. They don't have to taste it, but it, it gives them enough nourishment to live. Or, or maybe why does the eye see colors? You ever think of that? You know, I mean, if a lion was chasing you, do you need to know what color it is? Or if a tiger's coming after you, do you need to see its stripes? Who cares? It's trying to eat you. You don't need to identify it. You just know it's dangerous. If we saw him black and white, I think we would still make it if evolution were true. And then when you think about it, the thought if if the earth is one foot closer uh, to the sun or one foot farther away from the sun, the chaos that that would happen. Is it chance that a mom and a dad love that little baby, their sons and daughters, whereas you see it out in the wild all the time, a mother will take care of that other little baby, but the dad really doesn't lay, he's gone. He takes off. Certain species stick around to help the survival of that species, but that's because God created them that way. They really don't have love. And so is it chance that a parent's willing to die for their children? Uh, how is that chance? But he doesn't just speak through his creation, he also speaks through his word. You know, oftentimes I hear people say, you know, I need a word from God. Okay, cool. Here's 800,000 of them. Pick one. Pick a sentence, a phrase, a book, a chapter, whatever you need. Just take one of them. Do whatever you need. In Albuquerque, we used to go out and we'd witness the gangs on the street, street gangs. And one time I I went and these guys had this really cool lowrider. And I I remember going, I was like, man, they're going to kill me. And, you know, I grew up, and, and some of you may know that I, I was involved in gangs when I was a young kid. And so I went out there, and I was like, man, I'm going to be a dead man. I'm just going to be a dead guy. And so I went out there one day, and I was looking at these low riders, and these guys were hanging out. and said, hey, man, can I check out the inside of your car? And this guy was all proud. He's like, yeah, bro, come take a look. And I was looking in there. I'm like, man, this is nice. He goes, we're about to go cruising. You want to ride? And I'm like, sure. And I was just like, what am I doing? I'm going to get in this car. These guys, I don't know. They're probably like, hey, we got us a white guy. and We're going to go kill him down in the valley, and it's no more. And so I remember sitting there, and they were like, hey, man, do you smoke pot? And I said, no, I don't do any of that. And they're like, what are you doing down here? I was like, well, I came down here to to just, you know, witness, to, to share Jesus Christ with you guys. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.